Big A, Atlay, Is Yay, A Yay, Anguage Lay, Aim Gay, In Yay, Itch Way, Ords Way, In Yay, English Yay, Are Yay, Altered Yay, Usually Yay, I Bay, Adding Yay, A Yay, Abricated Fay, Affix Say, Or Yay, E Bay, Uving May, Ethe, Onset Yay, Or Yay, Initially, Onsonant K, or yay, onsonant k, uster clay, of yay, a yay, ordway, ote, f yay, and yay, of yay, f yay, f a, ordway, and yay, adding yay, a yay, okolic ve, abelsalay, ote, e8 cray, uch say, a yay, affixe. Early mentions of pig Latin or hog Latin describe what we'd what we would today call dog Latin, a type of parody Latin. Dog Latin, also known as cod Latin, macaronic Latin, mock Latin, or canis latinicus, refers to the creation of a phrase or jargon in imitation of Latin, often by quote-unquote translating English words or those of other languages into Latin by conjugating or declining them as if they were Latin words. Unlike the similarly named language game pig Latin, Dog Latin is more of a humorous device for invoking scholarly seriousness. Examples of this predate even Shakespeare, whose 1598 play, Love's Labor's Lost, includes a reference to Dog Latin. Today, doom metal is such a ubiquitous term that we tend to take it for granted that the term was coined in Dog Latin as Epicus Doomicus Metallicus by Candlemass. All right, we're here. It happened. Or should I say, it a happened, hey. Ha. <laughs> amazing. Well, I'm killing so far yeah, this episode. You're, you're really amazing. starting you're, out. You're really dropping some pig Latin bombs on us there. <laughs> um, um, come on, scab, abske. Uh, abske, abske. I'm abske, asshole, K. <laughs> and I'm abe, apian, say. And this is, this is, this is I'd Frey Lightning Lay. Oh boy, that is actually the worst introduction <laughs> to a podcast of all time. I mean, it was, you were doing the correct thing. Like, I don't blame you. Right, right. You it's know, just like, well, it just, it's one of those moments. I feel like a pig Latin moment is like a comedy moment that certain people just can't leave alone. You know what I mean? I feel like the yeah. Muppets will always make a pig Latin joke if they can. Yeah, well, yeah, but like, okay, there's a huge difference between like a Muppets pig Latin joke or like a Mel Brooks pig Latin joke. Yes. And then like just some dudes who are high and like, you know, start talking about pig Latin and then are going to say everything in pig Latin. Totally, totally. I totally agree. So, you know, yeah. The, the, the construction or the, the, it's a game. I guess that's the thing is that when I was looking on Wikipedia, it said it's a game. And I was like, is this a game? Interesting. It's, it's a funny idea to think of it as a game, as opposed to like when you're a kid in America growing up, it's like a code. You know what I mean? Or you think it is because you're a fucking dumbass. Right, where you're a dumbass American kid. You've eaten like <laughs> a lot of corn every fucking day for your entire Just life. Just corn and beef. Um, speaking of corn and beef, I'm just, like, gonna totally flub this transition. But tonight we're talking about 
uh, none other than Candlemass's Doom Metal Classic, and for many people, the greatest Doom Metal album of all time, Epicus Doomicus Metallicus. Release. Two things. Sorry, I'm going to go just jump in. Uh, yeah. One, when you said, speaking of corn and beef, I thought we were going to talk about Jewish delis. And two, are there really people who think this is the greatest doom metal band of, or uh, album of all time? You know, it's funny because I definitely think of Epicus as like, it's a very iconic, iconic album, but I've never really thought of it as a great album. And I thought what was interesting about listening to it and uh, and getting ready for this episode was that like I have so much to say that in a way it doesn't how do I put this Epicus Dumicus Metallicus doesn't suck a ton but <laughs> but it's it's you know what it is man it's kind of lame do you know what I mean <laughs> oh well like, do, uh, yeah it's what that it's that side of doom metal that's always been a little you know ridiculous and like oh yeah and it it really to me is like a fascinating album. And obviously we'll get we'll get deeper into it later. You know, it's interesting to think about too though. This album came out in 1986 when be playing this kind of music was like the idea of like what if you got high and made Merciful Fate was like not yeah. a thing. So well, right, and that's a you just I think we can actually just end the episode because I think when <sighs> you just said that that's the whole thing. That's this album. That is this um, album. No, it's a Merciful Fate album made by high people uh but yeah you know being able to appreciate cheesy things has been a big theme in my life lately huh. and actually i was i was kind of i i came out of the gate hard against this album or whatever i was just like kind of salty um but you know i just like sorry i'm super distracted by this printer but i think that's perfect uh challenge for me to try to surmount um, but, uh, here, one sec. You're gonna surmount this printer, man. You're gonna do it. <laughs> I, I just mounted the printer, uh, but I don't think that's what I was supposed to do. No, but, like, uh, just, just being able to, to sort of appreciate cheesy things has been, like, a huge portion of my last five years of my musical life. Sure, um, sure. And so I actually have really been enjoying listening to this album, kind of prepping. Um, and... Yeah, so so I you know I can uh, we can shit on it for being lame, but you're right, it doesn't suck. It actually is an album that rules in its own way. Totally. I'm just like, it's such a specific thing that researching it for a podcast is like really kind of a hassle because you have to. I I was trying to listen to it a lot, and it's just it's like I, I'm sure there are people that could just always be in the mood for this album. Right. Um, right. But that's not me. So, like, forcing this album when I'm not in the mood is, is tough. It's tough to get through right. all of Blackstone Wielder when you just want to listen to, like, High on Fire. I mean, man, we'll talk when we get to Crystal Ball, man. <laughs> Crystal Ball is, is again, just uh, no, no shade on Candlemass necessarily, but Crystal Ball is such an example of, like, good but lame you know what i yeah, mean oh like, for sure um so yeah uh before before we get into that i want to talk about a recent uh uh experience i had that i feel like is relevant to the podcast and Great. that's that um and that's that my so i uh uh as you know uh recently became hitched to a woman yeah i've um, heard about this and um 
when this happened, I, uh, you know, I got her extremely into stoner metal and whatnot, and she has started baking with low levels of cannabis. And oh, it's funny yeah. because she made these cookies that are basically like Xanax. Like they're so low level <laughs> that you don't even notice they like kick in. It's just that in an hour, like everything's okay. Wow. You know what I mean? Dang. And I, I took one of those and went to see Mortician of okay. all bands at, yeah. uh, at Lucky 13 in New York City. And let me tell you, man, there's something about a show where as you're coming up on an edible at 1.45 in the morning, <laughs> a band gets up where, like, some of their horror movie samples are longer than the songs that come after yeah. them. You know what right. I mean? We've talked about this, in the, yeah, on the podcast. And, and so I, I guess what I wanted to tell everyone is if you get a chance, like, get a little baked and go to a death metal show as opposed to, like, yeah. a doom metal show or a progressive metal show or whatever. Because there's a really interesting, like, like acceptance of weed culture and whatnot. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the openers has been Malignancy, just played this, mm-hmm. this insane, uh, spasming, uh, technical death metal, and they love weed. They yeah. are just the weediest in that weird party <laughs> along death metal kind of way. So anyway, just I, I just thought it was an interesting experience, and so I urge our readers yeah. to to branch out into some darker metal while you're, you know, super high. I uh, this was a while back, uh, and I have oh, I guess I was gonna tell stories way back when about some shows I'd seen, but anyway, this was this is a different thing related to what you were saying. Of uh, I saw Gate Creeper open for Pallbearer, uh, which is like kind of a slightly strange combination, I think, on the face of it. Right. But right. was really enjoyable because everybody was there for Pallbearer. It was in the bay, so everybody was probably high. And then Gate Creeper comes out and plays like old school death metal. And yeah, like, man. Just all make matching faces while they do matching headbanging. Like, that's a good, like, dance performance to see while high sure well you know that's the thing about death metal is that uh i think we often think of death metal as a kinetic music form you know a lot of like slamming and banging and and clanging and when death metal is great it kind of grinds you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like all those things come together and sound much more like a steamroller like it comes to a rolling boil and so there are these bands that do that very well. I think uh, Bolt Thrower do that very oh, yeah, well. I yeah. think Amana Marth, the Viking metal band, do that uh-huh. very well. Um, I think Gate Creeper do it very well, where it, it no longer just becomes like a series of accents and hits and becomes this sort of slow, steady burn that's just like really uh, uh, awesome and fun. Another band who does it pretty well is Unleashed. They're a Viking metal band. Um, oh, interesting. So anyway, the point is just that I think that there's this thought that death metal is not appropriate for to be super high at but in fact when you find the bands who do it right it's actually a lot of fun when you're pretty stoned it like it works with it in the same way that maybe a doom metal album uh works though uh maybe not in the same way that epicus doomicus metallicus by yeah i works it's hard to imagine death metal with this vibe but you know i'm just going to toss out and this might be obvious also but black metal has a very similar kind of thing yeah uh, actually that's very true man black metal being like actually slow music like a lot of black music is actually moving very slowly there's just tremolo picking and you know blast beats right right and that can all fade into like this sort of bed of sound that you rest on um yeah no, I, you know, it's interesting to think about that because, like, it is true that, like, when I think of when death metal is perfect, it's sort of like a meat grinder, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, like, a steady grind. 
when black metal is perfect, it's sort of like I, this is gonna sound this is such a high ass thing to say, <laughs> but it's it's much more like like a fire. Like there's a bit of a flicker uh-huh. and a ghostliness uh-huh. to it. And what you want to get is that good raging roaring fire behind black metal. You know so, what I mean? So I'm gonna say something, and and we don't we shouldn't actually get into this because I'm getting very anxious that we should get to this this album. The the, yeah, the subtext yeah. to this entire episode is that like. I have a time-sensitive errand to run. <laughs> and, like, we have to get it done. And the album is fucking Epicus Dumicus Metallicus. And I'm just, I'm going to be so fucking anxious for all these 10-minute, you know, fucking, like, summaries of a uh, first edition Dungeons & Dragons game. I, like, <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying before I got all freaked? Um... Oh, uh, I'm going to say something that pisses you off. You know what black metal band that I found did that really well when they first came out? What's Liturgy. That? I think the drummer in that band did something magical for being high and listening to black metal and like just having it become this kind of like minimalist thing. Like that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, and I mean, look, this what we're talking about is sort of at the heart of that kind of hipster black metal liturgy death heaven thing. You know what I mean? Like those guys were just trying to create a sound that was like that was like a fire that was sort of just blazing as opposed to like a lot of crashing and staccato music. But I also think that kind of thing can like, uh, you know, it's funny because it's one of those classic things where I'm like in the wrong hands. It just sucks. You know, like uh, I was recently somebody mentioned this to me the other day. They were just like they were like, look, all music is great. So long as assholes don't play it when the assholes play it, it sucks. And I was like, Ah, truer words have never been spoken. Yeah. And so that thing thing. is like the dreamy uh, new wave black metal, like the modern black metal. Like it can be really good, but there are just moments where you're kind of like, nah, these guys were kind of being assholes about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I really it's funny because you mentioned two of the culprit bands uh and like i have very different feelings about them with regards to to what you were saying in terms of like yeah deaf heaven just kind of seem like these bros like who just like who kind of it feels like a very transparent uh like mashup kind of thing happening sure and and liturgy to me i'm like oh there's actually some like really interesting shit buried in this but the problem is that the guy or guys who's coming up with the interesting shit thinks it's way more interesting than anyone else does and is not shy about telling you about it so so here's the thing is for the record it dawned on me like i'm not trying to call i'm not calling liturgy or deaf heaven assholes necessarily it's just it would be okay if you were I I just, I sort of feel like what it is, is that this is a type of music or a tool in music that, like, as you're saying, like, when it's sort of used with a level of self-importance, it immediately becomes super frustrating, you know what I mean? And that's something that very much is epidemic in metal of all types. Is this moment where the minute a genre, somebody's, like, pretty serious about it and, and... you know, wants to make sure you understand that you don't understand. Uh, my first thought is, boo, earns, man. <laughs> Fucking bail on that shit. Like, go have fun, you know? So, 
Yeah, for sure. All right, speaking of extremely self-serious <laughs> metal music, I think we should push play on Solitude and, and, and start this dive. No break in the middle. Let's just fucking Let's go. just fucking do it, man. Let's. It's right. funny. I love the, the theme of this episode is... I gotta fucking be somewhere. Hurrying <laughs> <laughs> through a slow doom metal album. And and you know what, man? Here's what I'll say though, man, is it's for a metal ass reason, which is you gotta go pick your car up at the shop. Like, how many metal-ass songs are about having to go pick your fucking car up and stop? Are, 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 anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 are, are you ready to press? Are we going to press play on side? I already pressed. Just press play and just get into that intro. It's funny because I, I had already pressed play and I'm listening to Solitude and I'm like, how... It's 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 funny because it's like it's like Voivod from Canada only uh -huh. if instead of writing about like sci-fi in the future they wrote about like a castle and a trading card you know what I mean Oh like, uh, yes uh yeah Okay so I, so here's what I'll intro. say sorry man uh, sorry the riff just kicked in for me and Oh yeah I just want to say really quickly man say what you want about this album and we will but the guitar sound on this album is awesome, man. It's sick. It is steely and powerful and evil. So kudos to those guys, man. Well, this... Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, we can make fun of this album. This is a great album, though. And I'm not going to say that it's not. Uh, it's just, you know, the, the datedness of certain elements and the self-seriousness does make it harder to, like, just 100% be into, for me, at least. Um, but like, you know, a few, as you were saying, when the guitar and then when the drums come in this. Yeah, yeah, man. This is, yeah. well, like, okay. This so, riff is awesome, man. This, this, the riff of Solitude is awesome. Yeah. So, so let's, let's say what we're talking about, man, which is the vocals are especially, like, Johan. tiring in Candle Mass for me, man. I think well, that really dates it yeah. and makes it that sort of thing. So anyway, sorry, go on. No, 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 it's just uh, two things, well, in terms of, yeah, so so this is the only album they did with Johan What's-His-Name, um, although who is now back in the band, uh, and that's is. actually a relatively recent is. development, uh, as of September of 2018, um, but like, yeah, but speaking of dates, that's what I actually wanted to get to a second ago, is this is around the same time as fucking St. Vitus. Uh, the album that we covered uh, that, uh, you know, on an earlier episode. And so, like, the recording quality and, like, the quality of musicianship on this album is is just, like, apples and oranges from, from that St. Vitus record. And that's what's kind of, like, striking to me is, like, it felt like St. Vitus were ahead of their time in making like lo-fi doom. But then you get this, and this is that kind of like hi-fi, like cork sniffery that you might, you know, like expect in a lot of doom. Right. Where it's like, yeah, they probably worked really hard on the sounds on this album. Well, and look, like, look, here's what I'll say is like, the reason we are hating on Epicus Doomicus Metallicus <laughs> in any way, I made no mistake, I'm hating on this album. This album okay. is lame as fuck okay. um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the reason we are hating on it 
is because we possess some level of self-awareness and a sense of irony and a sense of like slight snark and cynicism where I imagine in 1986 if you were like a stoner metalhead who heard this shit in complete earnestness for the first time you were probably kind of like you were like holy shit man yeah. this is awesome Fucking like game back changer. when back when the vocal style was like lit, like a new thing in vocals and not just like this weird warbling thing that we've heard a million terrible times like ah uh, anyway I love the guitar solos on this album. Sorry, keep going. All I was going to say, man, is that, like, look, like, Solitude's a solid song. It has a great riff and everything. But I'm also just, like, like, ugh. Like, Solitude. It's just like, ugh. No, it's a lot. It feels like a lot. I got to say, okay, so this this track really does rule and is definitely the pop song on the album. And I I might have told you this story. Uh, but I sort of seem to have recently developed some level of agoraphobia. And okay. so I was at this coffee shop in San Francisco that is a cool, like, punk rock coffee shop that's also, like, very, very popular. Uh, and so there's just tons of people there. And my wife and I went on the weekend, and I was just, like, super freaked and anxious just of like be, having to be shoved against a bunch of other people in a cramped coffee shop before I've had my coffee and I was just like oh this sucks and then this track came on at the coffee shop and I was like oh this is solitude and I like totally enjoyed it and then the song after this was Dragonaut by Sleep ha, that's and I was, that's I was all better I was just like you know what this is cool. I don't care that these people are around. Like, I was I was so comforted by the doom metal. Totally. And look, like doom metal is like, you know, for me, I've always we've talked about this in the past. To me, doom metal will always be like the ur metal genre because of the fact that it is the genre of Sabbath. You yeah. know what I yeah. mean? That like to listen to doom metal is to listen to metal's earliest form. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's worth considering when listening to a band like this. And it's interesting to think about, again, this band doing, like, I'm sure when you heard it, you were like, oh, it's like Sabbath, but with Iron Maiden or Judas yeah. Priest. I'm yeah, yeah. Now. Um, you know, it's it's a fascinating album to listen to. So it's interesting to me, man, because for me, the cool song of the album is Demon's Gate. This Which song, we're listening to the intro of right now. Indeed, indeed. We're listening to the vocals. creepy synthy uh, in- intro. Um, who, who does pitch-shifted vocals? Well, I mean, this song and... This song is an example, too, of a metal song where I, like, I, I think earnest things about it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's cool enough in its metallic thing that I'm like, I'm like, okay, Demon's Gate, you get a pass and you're a pretty awesome song. You know what I mean? Um, and again, man, we'll talk shortly when Crystal Ball comes on. <laughs> because, oh my god, Crystal Ball. Yeah, well... Anyway. I think there's a lot. Oh my god! Like, oh my god, a sorcerer's pledge. Oh, oh. <laughs> but this this riff is sick. Oh look, man, this this song like is a cool metal song, if you ask me. And it's a cool metal song with like goofy ass parts. You know, that's the thing. Oh is, yeah. Look, the chorus never stops being goofy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and that's that's like 
I don't know, I feel like that's a big part of what I've been processing, is like, can I enjoy something while, while admitting the ways in which it's goofy in like, and also acknowledging that most of my sense of goofy is like very temporally located and like culturally right. influenced. So like this album and this type of song has been a perfect exercise in being like, all right, this rules and those vocals that just came in sound right. pretty cheesy. But holy right. shit, that double kick that just came in. Yeah, you know, the double kick is like verses. what makes this song like and so that's something else we should talk about, man, which is fascinating. Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, like somebody like Merciful Fate, uh, is loved by underground metalheads. And it's because there's something to the steeliness and to the power which feels very, like, extreme metal. You know what I mean? It feels yeah. similar to extreme metal. It feels very earnest about what it is. It feels very strongly, like... Like, I'm into heavy metal. I'm into this culture in its specific way. You know what I mean? Which nobody does like the Europeans. Uh, well, so that's the other thing, man, is we talk about, we do a lot of uh, American doom and, and stoner metal here, but Candlemass is the original, like, Europeans doing it a little bit better than they go. Well, except for Sabbath, obviously. Well... Yeah, that's well. That we've talked about that before. That that kind of British American split. Oh, that was actually really fun to talk about in our Electric Wizard yeah. episode. And this is now, you know, we talked about Enslaved, but we talked about them within the context of black metal, obviously. And so right. now we get to talk about this European influence, like continental European influence in doom metal, which I think is a little bit more. Uh, how do you say? It doesn't feel as foregrounded in the doom metal world most of the time sure. as uh, as the British or American styles, sure. and I think there's probably just less of it. Or uh, that could be me being super ignorant. I can think of a few, you know, continental European doom bands, and it does seem like a scene, but it doesn't feel as present here. Well, you know, man. I, so the thing about doom metal is it's always going to be super bluesy. And so it's about those countries where, like, the blues in a weird way takes hold. And it's funny because say what you want about the Scandinavians, man, they love jazz and blues music. Oh, yeah. Like, they have a real All love Northern and knowledge Europeans. of yeah. that. Of that. Yeah. Um, and so there's definitely a love of, like, for at all times, like, the sexiness and the swing of Doom. It just doesn't have the same thing. American Doom is, like, imbued with that, like, southern rock kind of thing. That yeah. just makes it kind of special. You know what I mean? Well, so. yeah. I, yeah, it's you know what? Okay, I want to talk about something that's come up for me a bunch recently. Even though we're listening to Demon's Gate, like, uh, you know, song a song is, where... This, this riff is amazing, man. The <laughs> double kick is amazing. Again, yeah. this song is pretty rad, man. It's a great for fan sure. song. Yeah, for sure. But I want to talk about the use of the term doom metal now okay. with European bands. Because right. I recently... I'm, I'm way behind the curve on this one. I'm about a year late on... Halas, uh, and uh, this band, my brother, uh, I guess, should we call my brother Gabe Sapien? Sure, um, Gabe Sapien. <laughs> introduced me to this band, Halas, H-A uh, with an umlaut, L-L-A-S, and their album from late 2017, and this track, Star Rider, and people are trying to tell me that band is a doom metal band, and I'm just like, wait, doom metal can't mean 
the thing that was created from Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, or Sabbath, and also just like straight up blue oyster called Kenneth? Like, is that possible? Can these things all inhabit one word? So, so what's interesting, man, is for me, I feel like there's these weird separations in terms of genre titles and sections where like, I know people who like doom metal. I know people who I would say like doom yeah. rather than doom metal. And the, what we have in America often is stoner rock, is what I think yeah. of as stoner rock or like desert rock that's being sort of labeled under the doom tag. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it's to me, here's what tent. I want to say is like, like this album is an album where listening to it, I'm like, yeah, it's a doom metal album. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. super medieval and it's super like arch, but it's still to me a doom metal album, you know? Okay, what's an example of a doom album? Is that like, is Bell Witch a doom maybe. band? It's, for me, it might be something more like, man, like maybe Bell Witch, maybe a primitive man. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe, yeah. maybe some of that shit. It's something about just doom to me has a little bit more of that like punk nihilism to it. You know what I mean? For, um, yeah, I just, I, primitive man is an interesting one. We're getting so far afield. Cause like, sure. You know, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's candle mass, so all these songs are like nine minutes long, so we have like a whole <laughs> section in the middle that we can just talk about. Oh, you know, it's kind of calming down there for a minute. I forgot that I had to get out of here. Um, ah, lulled into a false sense of security. Yeah, and then, and which is shattered. Ah, yeah. This this track, what can you do with it? I mean, this what what I love about this track is it's like a good like smoking a joint driving in a dark highway kind of track you know what i mean like it definitely makes me like excited to be a dirtbag <laughs> but it's 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 also the moment in the album though where they're like this is our this is our evil metal song and later they're gonna sing about a crystal ball and uh <laughs> you're so excited for crystal ball i mean i'm so I excited am too, for it. but the whole thing the entire lyrical content of this album i'm trying to figure out like I don't know if there's an easy way to summarize the genre of fantasy that it inhabits. Right. Uh, it's, it is, it's, but I think the things that come to mind for me, one of them is, is, uh, is like I said before, like very early D&D. Like before D&D was D&D when it was just like, right. oh yeah, we gotta get like, we got this cool idea for a role-playing game and we just like, we gotta get some like Tolkien shit in here. Like, or like, oh, there's a there's an enemy. It's a it's a fucking Dracula. It's Dracula. Right. So so it's interesting then because it's what it is is it's like lowbrow fantasy art. It's this real fantasy art that worships like the simplicity that that fantasy art like could only afford to be created oh, yeah. as that existed yeah. in the '60s and '70s and was loved by like weirdo dirtbags. And right. so what I really like about it is it's got this real side of it that's like very much like. It's, it's fantasy, but it's kind of cruddy fantasy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, it's paperback. It's like pre... Oh, I don't even know what to say pre. But it is like that old pulp sci-fi fantasy paperback. Right, right. All right, totally. here comes Crystal Ball. So, so here's what I'll say about Crystal Ball first and foremost is is what makes it like a, a, a hilarious metal track is that it's called Crystal Ball and it is literally about like crystal looking ball. into a crystal ball. 
It's not one of those songs where that means something or it has a broader meaning. It's literally about crystal ball, like, All right. like looking into the crystal ball to find your future. Uh, so here's a challenge. Okay. Scab Castrol, is there a metaphor on this album? <laughs> That's So here's what I'll say, though, is, is Demon's Gate is called Demon's Gate, but it's a little more, like, descriptive and kind of dark and atmospheric. And this one is really about, like, stare into the crystal ball. It will show you your future. Also, just in terms of, like, a thing to write a metal song about, a crystal ball is kind of a lame thing to write about. Well, that's, and that's what I mean is it's, it's like, it's when shit was kind of new, I guess. Actually, you know what? I wish uh, Abe Sapien had been, uh, I wish I could meet a version of Abe Sapien who was alive and like conscious of this in 1986. And whether he would be like, Crystal Ball, that's some lame shit. Or if he'd be like, whoa, there's a metal song about some some magic shit. Well, it's funny because Crystal Ball is like, also like, I'm sorry, man. The other thing is like the chorus where it's just him yeah. saying Crystal Ball while this kind of like evil carousel riff goes on in the background. Like, here, I'm Crystal Um, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous, and this is this is the one where I just like can't the whole time. I'm like, no, oh, spooky crystal ball time. I like can't take it seriously. On these high notes, you know, oh. I tried to listen to Nightfall, their second album. Right. Uh, it turns out that for my money, Johan Longfist is the best version of that for Candlemas. Well, here's he what can I'll actually say, man. hit those high notes. Like, Candlemas, like, are extreme in certain ways, but they should not be overly concerned with being cool. Like, part of what makes Candlemas work, as I, I keep using the word earnest, is this, yeah. like, going all in on what it's about. And so Candlemas don't need, like, John Bush, like, growling some shit out. You know what I mean? They need, like, somebody being some ridiculous candelabra-wielding metal ghost. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, yeah. because that's, man, that's what King Diamond does well, man. King yeah, Diamond's sure. just like, for I'm sure. a shrieking ghost in a castle. And we're like, yeah. fuck yeah, man. You know? So. But you have to... It, this breakdown in Crystal Ball is pretty sick, though. You oh gotta my admit. god, man. It's this, Crystal this, Ball. It's the goofiest yeah, but this part, song. This part is sick. These guys... Again, I'm, I'm sort of like thinking of average musicianship. And like, these guys can play shit that a lot of Doom bands, especially back in the day, definitely couldn't like sure, these guys like, are all super tech and playing very slow music which is such a different vibe than well, a lot of other old dude that's very much part of the european thing man right. we've talked about this as like a european doom album like that's very much a big part of the european thing is some like like being uh, you know the term i use is arch being yeah. like talented and baroque and a little romantic about it yeah well at the same time also like then applying that to some like badass stoner metal you sure. know what i mean but you gotta you know you gotta i don't know thinking relatively like yeah we can make fun of this for being arch now but like what else was happening that was arch in sweden in 1986 in metal right. well ingve malmsteen was and this right exactly i would take this any day 
of Ramonstein. Well, and, but that's that's unfair, man, just because Ingve Malmstein, <laughs> I'm going to put it out there, like, publicly, scab casserole thinks Ingve Malmstein sucks, man. That's because um, he does. Ingve is, like, Ingve is just, like, an example of just, like, losing sight of what playing guitar should be about. I remember reading some interview where he was like, I've never really cared for Jimi Hendrix. He's not an influence on me. And I was like, okay, so I just like never need to listen to your music again. Because for me, that is a, that is a deal breaker. Yeah. Man. That's what a weird, what a weird European thing. And right, so this, right. this has a little bit of that for sure, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's got the King Diamond thing with these high notes, but... Sure, man. And it's got the King Diamond thing with the guitar sound. Like, that's the other thing is King Diamond and Merciful Fate have that really steely guitar sound. And so they're doing something with that that really adds to, like, the creepiness and the gothicness of it, you know? Yeah, but the... I mean, yeah, man. Doom Metal, it's not literally always about this, but it is at least partially about tuning down. Oh, sure. Sure, and and don't get me wrong, like it's Candlemass specifically, kind of being like we're going for this like slow, deep grind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, um, I was distracted while you were saying things because uh, I was trying to figure out exactly what tuning this is in. Interesting. Um, I think, I think D, but so not that far tuned down, but definitely heavy. And the the intro to Blackstone Welder is like pretty heavy. It is. Look, no one's saying the in Blackstone Welder is in many ways very heavy, but for me, this is also where the album goes off the rails a little bit in some <laughs> real like, in some real like weird like goofy sorry blackstone wielder i was saying welder um <laughs> but uh but you know it's just this is the part of the album where i'm kind of like ah oh, the songs kind of lose structure a little bit and they aren't just as much like badass doom metal songs as they were before you know i mean yeah but crystal ball has a weird structure too it's just that it's crystal ball uh right, and this exactly. is like a collection of cool riffs right. seemingly you know, the riffs know. in this song are much cooler than the chorus riff of Crystal Ball. I'll put that out there. <laughs> but it's pretty easy to be cooler than the chorus riff of Crystal Ball, you know? Wow. I I had not thought of that particular riff as, like, what did you call it? Like oh. a demonic A circus? demonic like carousel. carousel. It feels a little... Well, it just feels like a gypsy's tansy, you know? Like, it's got a real, a really hilarious kind of magic to it where I'm kind of like, oh, boy. If somebody goes through the work of uh, grabbing all of your... Uh, no, I should do this work. I'm just trying to outsource it. I was gonna say, if somebody goes through all the, the work of like isolating all of your metal singing, you know, on this podcast, I will I will put backing tracks to it. I just feel like there's certain sure. moments that really call for it in some, you're listening to some no. song and it's like, it's about a spooky kitchen or something like that. And you're just like, yeah, I, I, I know. I've heard this song a zillion times. I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I think this and the next one... Actually, you know what? I've never actually looked up the lyrics on this album. I've just sort of listened to Johan's wonderful, slight Swedish accent. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things, by the way, is uh, a slight Scandinavian accent in English language vocals. Sure, sure. There's especially... 
the Sorcerer's Pledge on this album is truly spectacular in terms of like Scandinavian English. And the thing is, is that like nobody speaks English like the Scandinavians. I'm not trying to hate on Scandinavians. They usually speak English better than Americans. But uh, and you most know, of the specific accent, man. You yeah. know, I've talked to dudes. I've interviewed the dudes in bands like Soil Work, and it's funny because they sound a little like almost like cowboyish when you talk to uh -huh. them, where they're really like, "Hi, how are you?" And there, you, it's it's got a funny lilt to it. So, yeah, um, yeah. But I've, what I'll also say, man, is that the Scandinavians love some like America, like big, wide America. They love the South. They love the Midwest. You know what I mean? And so, um, so they also like. I think when they take on that kind of American accent or that English accent in America, definitely go for like a bit more of a of a Midwestern kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm distracted by this, I forgot about this middle nonsense yeah, segment yeah. of Blackstone oh, yeah. Wilder yeah. with this exactly. weird counterpoint. Look, generally, I think they do uh, <laughs> guitar harmonizing and counter contrapuntal work in a way that I really like. And I even yes. like the composition of this part. Like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. They thought about how these two guitars and the bass and the drums would interact in a, in a detailed way. But right. also, like, what? What's happening right now? What happened to all no. the crushing doom metal riffs? Where did There's they go? a lot of just nonsense. A lot of babbling via doom metal. Sweet, again? <laughs> You know, it's, it's you so will also hum. sing the guitar solo when I do a super cut of your vocals. Um, <laughs> but only, oh man, it's going to be such a hassle. Only I can do it. I'm definitely not going to. Uh, but yeah, like this, this, this track. I don't know. What is it about? Is it about like Neolithic man? <laughs> like, is it a fantasy thing? Is it fantasy? I, I mean, that's. I think it's also fantasy. It might be about Neolithic Man, but it might also be about, like, in some Conan the Barbarian-ass way, some, like, the uh -huh. Black Stone Wielders, the dark people of the Mountain Cavern or whatever. Yeah, you know right. What I mean? So, again, like, like it's one of those ones where, like, uh, talking about that lowbrow kind of uh, 70s fantasy thing, part of that is, like, a lack of, like, not originality, but just, like, definitely going with some simple ass, like, and then the dark soldiers came, you know, without trying I've... to get too complicated or or interested in, like, what's their currency like? Like, they don't give a shit. They wear armor and kill people, you know? I'm looking at the lyrics to this track. Uh, my mind is kind of blown. Um, is it about Neolithic man? No, it's, like, fucking biblical. It's, Interesting. It's about... People traveling to Bethlehem. It sounds like Exodus. It sounds like a play on, just first glance, like, uh... Now, on the way to Bethlehem's too specific, though. This this has some serious sleep vibes, actually. It's about wizards commanding yeah. the lightning on their way to Bethlehem. It's funny because sleep are all about some, like, nondescript dirtbag art wizards, you know what I mean? Right. But, yeah, thinking about this, like, this 1986... I'm really curious. I would be so curious to ask the members of Sleep about their relationship to this album if they had one. Interesting, man. Interesting. Uh, I've never heard that. them talk about it. Story. It, it, it. It's like totally possible. 1986 in Northern California, that nobody would, or you know, even late later in the 80s, that nobody would have had this album. But mm -hmm. it's also possible that's a big thing. I I don't know, but like. Right. The, the lyrics to this song, I'm like, whoa, that, like, 
very directly reflects a band that would kind of like really carve out a huge niche in American doom metal, like, you know, in the early 90s. Sure, well, you know, I think, I'm sure with this album too, man, it was one of those ones where like, this is definitely an album where I'm sure it came out and a lot of people were like, this is weird and whack. And some people were like, no, this is metal as fuck. You just gotta like wait for it. I even think, you know, it's funny because they were obviously very huge when they first came out. But I feel like Merciful Fate and King Diamond have gone through that several times. Yeah. Where people are like, these weird high-pitched vocals are so whack. And you're like, or what if they're awesome? And you're like, (laughs) oh, wait, they are kind of awesome. Once I get over my stupid hang-ups about, like, what is cool and what's not, it's pretty rad. You know what I mean? I I still can't do King Diamond, to be honest. It's funny, man. I like... Back in the day, I, like, hated on King Diamond, and now I'm, like, the biggest King Diamond supporter, man. Okay, so Under the Oak just came on, uh, and again, it's this one starts out with these very, like, thrashy riffs, uh, but it very quickly... I don't know. becomes a different thing. I don't. I'm just trying to struggle to figure out how to talk through these next, co- or at least Blackstone Wielder and Under the Oak. For right, me, right. They're like they feel less cohesive than the others, and I'm like really excited to talk about a Sorcerer's Pledge. A Sorcerer's Pledge is like a ridiculous song, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, under under like Under the Oak is like. A pretty typical to me this is definitely like the typical Candlemas song you know yeah. what I mean like it really adheres to all of the all of the things that one assumes you're going to hear in a Candlemas song you oh know? yeah it's the not devil too adventurous or too long evil takes exactly some weird like and there's an oak there's some tree involved you know like like there's like it, it definitely has an old school feel of again like that dirtbag art where it's not too interested in like narrative or complexity or anything like that if anything the simplicity makes it cooler you know what i mean yeah there's sorry i'm just wow i i'm I'm learning about the lyrics to this too i think this album has more interesting lyrics than i thought because interesting because the words themselves like really conjure cheesy cliched images for us but like the songs are all written as these like uh they they have they have perspective you know what i mean they're often as a character in this world rather than because it kind of sounds like they're a narrator right and and it's like narrate you know it's like showing instead of telling or you know telling instead of showing no i i hear you i hear you and i think that i think i'm gonna give these lyrics a second chance after actually looking them up because they are, they're trying to tell a story, but they're trying to show a story from a character's perspective, maybe. Uh, more than they are like, check out this sweet dragon. Right, right. That's very true. That like, So I remember once reading something about Dio, and look, I love Ronnie James Dio. I love Dio's work. But like, they made a good point where they were like, one day just every lyric had a stone and a sword and a dragon and some sort of fantasy thing in it where it all just felt a little like trying too hard with the metaphor. The metaphor wasn't going far enough, you know what I mean? So as opposed to this album where like they're really good about being like no metaphor, 
you know? Yeah, I think there's still... I guess it's hard to say if there are actual metaphors, but I gotta, again, I, I have a newfound respect for the lyrics on this album. That's a relative thing. Right. You know. Um, whew, this, this song really... Uh, Stop. <laughs> it pulls up. It really takes its time in the middle, petering around, you know? Uh, yeah, again, since since in European metal. Well, the Europeans just consider the synth, like, obviously, like, a part of the rock and roll, like, I feel like a part of the rock and roll, like, lineup for them yeah. as a keyboard player. Yeah. But again, Americans just have that blues rock, man, and that shit was never about that. It was never about some, like, some some synthesizer shit. Well, sure. <laughs> it's always about that basic guitar sound, you know? And so that's yeah. something that we really pride in America. And don't get me wrong, it, it also goes the other way in America. Is we are the country of, like, the guitar and the fucking Hall and Oates solo, you know? Yeah, but did we... I don't know if we ever did that, like the Europeans. I mean, to me, it's just like... Yeah, it's, it's a cultural thing, right? Like, pianos right. have been around and have been a big part of European culture for hundreds of years. Uh, whereas in America, first off, the places where rock and roll came from, you know, maybe they didn't have as many pianos. <laughs> Seriously. No, like, I, totally, I totally hear you, man. I totally hear you. A piano was like a nice thing to have. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about how fucking sick the solo on this album is, though, or on this song. <laughs> It's, it's such a different style of guitar playing. Like, when you compare this solo to the solos on that St. Vitus record, Born Too Late. Okay, uh, interesting, yeah. Like, they're a similar style, sort of musically, where they're all over the place. But, like, this guy, like, hits notes. Right, and, like, is right. a shredder. And it's, again, it's so fascinating to me to see shredding and like double kick drum playing in the service right. of doom metal in 1986. Like, I'm just like, I didn't expect all these things in the same place. Well, I think I think with the double kick, what we're seeing is this understanding again of it as like a grinding sound rather than like, once, cause once you're playing doom metal, you're giving up like a lot of the like silly acrobatics. And mm -hmm. so you have to make do somehow. And that double kick just obviously goes with that slow roll. You know what I mean? The way they use it, yeah, it's not like, it's not, you know, you're right, it, it is kind of it's a not textural It's not meant to be as much of a blast beat so yeah. much as it is, like a, 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 like a sort of almost like grinding of wheels, you know what I mean? I feel like I've used the word grinding a zillion times this podcast. You know, I gotta say, that is a thing for you in several of our podcasts. Interesting. I, I'm learning what you mean by grinding as you say it more and more, more and more about certain things. It's actually, it's very educational for me, and, and... I'm glad, I'm glad it's educational. Probably not the listeners, but, you know, uh, at least we get something out of it. Totally, totally. But, you know, there's, because this is the, this is the, like, biggest, I'd say, one of the more lead guitar-y, lead guitar-heavy songs on right. this album. And it's just, you know, because there's a lot of, like, guitarist worship in Doom. You know, Iomi, and then Matt Pike... And, you know, there's definitely that thing, but those, yeah, just those prototypical Doom guitarists, even the ones who are worshipped, have such a different style. And it's right. always this very kind of 
drunk, crazy style, whereas this is very, very you know, closer to the kind of Ingve thing. Well, and it, it just, it, what it definitely comes at it with is, like, a feeling of, like, with, with the American Doom, there's very much this urge to be, like, a guitar god who's still somehow, like, super kind of gross and, and insane and a little unhinged. And with these guys, they're like, no, a guitar god is like a talented dude. He's like Mozart or somebody like that. He's a dude who has like refined his craft. No, I'm dead serious, man, because yeah, America's yeah. whole thing is the dirtbag genius. Yeah. And fucking with, with, uh, with, in Europe, there's much more that idea of like the virtuoso. You yeah. know what I mean? No, it's true. Uh, you're absolutely right. A thousand years of midnight, the sunrise is gone. I, I feel, I feel due to say that we're just like, just getting to the end of the intro of the Sorcerer's Pledge. Which, right. It's not even right. so much an intro as like, it's the, it is really like the first verse, the first part of the song. It's, it's not even a verse, it's like a section. But, uh, totally, totally. I mean, because so the Sorcerer's Pledge, man, is a fascinating example of a common thing in metal at this time. Was you had a lot of songs, and then you had one long ass song at the end, which was sort of your chance to kind of just flop around a little and like put all those other parts together. Like it, that song exists on Bad Out of Hell. It exists on Holy Diver. Like. This is like a classic metal treat of like, and then we have our weird meandering song at the very end, you know? Oh, a thousand years. It's, <laughs> I just, okay, I, yeah, I gotta, because this is the song where the lyrics are most clear. Um, right. And this is the one where it's really like very much this kind of heavy-handed storytelling about a sorcerer who lives for a thousand right. years with his dark magics. And it's this very, like, old-school understanding of sorcery. It's, like, very, uh, like, Countess Bathory, you know? Right, like, right. Like, oh, yeah, you drink blood and you live forever. And it's like, wait, right. are we right. talking about a sorcerer or a vampire? Well, and just, you know, man, the more metal wanted to be taken seriously, the more they were like, the sorcerer's a metaphor. And it's like, nope, he's a sorcerer, he's evil, so when he drinks blood, he gets magical powers. Yeah. And you're just like, cool, you know? But then, I bet. dude, when the fucking... When it kicks in here, it's just like a thrash song. It's funny because it's also like, it's this weird mix of being like badass yet like the cheesiest, you know what I mean? It's funny how, how like a song like Demon Gates can be like, to me, like super heavy in a driving around in a van kind of way. And this to me just sounds like coming into like your, your little brother's basement room and him being like, get out, I'm listening to my evil music, you know? Like, I can't wait for my little brother to hear that. Uh, I'm listening to this Titanic heavy metal. <laughs> you listen to K shit. Get out, mom. I'm listening to corn. Shut up, mom. God, you don't even know about doom metal. You ever heard of Candlemass, mom? They're from Sweden. Oh, man, this is too realistic. I'm getting upset. Um, yeah, but just like. Yeah, this, this track is like. I really actually enjoy this track. I do. I like, musically, I think it's one of the better songs on the album, even though it's also like, probably the goofiest song on the it's album. It's the goofiest, it's easily the goofiest one. And you I'm, think it's goofier I'm, than Crystal Ball, for sure? Oh God, that's a tough one actually. 
You know what? It's the second goofiest. I think Crystal Ball is easily, for me, the goofiest track of this album. Yeah. I think you're right. But this has a different kind of goofiness because this is an eight-minute song. Well, about... that's the other thing is it's very much like... Uh, that's uh, the other thing about it being the last song in the album is the last song in the album, you're always allowed to have some, like, Long ass song, you know. I just I mean. actually realized that Demon's Gate is a minute longer than this song. I was so actually thinking that earlier, that but, yeah. but Demon's Gate is also its own thing, you know. Yeah, because I guess Crystal Ball is only like five and a half minutes. Totally. But yeah, this totally. one just it tells a story. It starts in the beginning, and it starts slow, and it just kind of builds up, and then it it gets to the to the end of the song. Totally, totally, exactly. In that way, it's also like, it's not a song where like, it's like, it's nine minutes long, but they take you on a journey. You're kind of like, nope, there's the sorcerer, there's some yeah. metal riffs, then it's over. It's And it's like, it talks about like, oh, a thousand years ago, this sorcerer. And then the, the last verse we're about to get to in the song is, a thousand years have gone. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess we're gonna find out about what happened to this sorcerer. No, I mean that's that's the other thing about Candle Mass is it's this weird mix of like we're here to tell a story and it's like what's the story and it's like there's this sorcerer <laughs> he he looks crazy and it's like okay what happens to him it's like he uses magic to live for a thousand years and what about after that the thousand years have come and passed and you're just like oh so I guess you're just describing a thing yeah you know not what much I mean? of an you're arc. not even telling a story you're just telling us what we're hearing about you know right and that's that's i think this i think because i knew the lyrics to this track better than the others that's what i had associated but again i was uh, looking back and the, the it feels like there's maybe a little bit more arc to some of the other lyrics no well, no, maybe, no no no, no. I, yeah maybe somebody's telling a story from a certain perspective and you're hearing about it and you're like oh based on what this person is telling me i kind of understand not that they're telling me the details about their lives but maybe i know who they might be and stuff like right. that, as opposed to being like, I'm a sorcerer. Right, right, I exactly, do exactly, exactly. No, this is very much not about like, like, being like, I'm a sorcerer because my job sucks, but I feel there's a magic running through me. This is like, <laughs> I'm a sorcerer, I drink the blood for a thousand years. Like, it really just goes all in on some like, Disney sorcerer, you know what I, I mean? I want to go deeper on your other sorcerer you just made up. Who's that? I want to what, know that the, character. My, my sorcerer voice yeah. in the he's the evil sorcerer who drinks blood for that. No, 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 that I don't know, man. No, 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 fuck that guy. I'm talking about the, the other one you were talking about. He doesn't like his job, but he finds the magic can you know, there's there's <laughs> That would be funny if, if we heard more doom metal about like everyday sorcerers. The sorcerers <laughs> are just pissed off sorcerers. and they work too hard, you know what I mean? Like they hate their job, their wives are mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Al Bundy of sorcerers. Exactly. You're just like Chorgoth the Great, and then yeah. you come home, and your kid calls you like Chorgoth the Gay, and you're like, shut up! Uh, <laughs> so yeah, anyway. Yeah. He, he chokes the sun in a sort of uh, over-cartoonish way. He drinks a sorcerer beer. His wife's like, his wife's like, haven't you had enough of those today? And it's like, get off my back, whore! And then oh. he like turns her into a fucking basilisk or something. I don't so know. So this is like, like uh, we're we've, now we've gone more towards Archie Bunker, the sorcerer, than Al Bundy at this point. Yeah, I, I feel like we're going to be Al a didn't sorcerer. Like beat his. I was talking Homer Simpson when I said cartoonish choking. 
No, no. But I think, I think this, this sorcerer has a real mean temper on him when he's been drinking, and he doesn't have a lot to live for at this point. And so when he gets pissed at his kid, he really just beats the living <laughs> fuck out of that little so brat. this man. has gone in a really different direction. He really than... tosses him across a fucking kitchen, you know? This has gone in a very different direction. You, you, the first story, the beginning of the story, you said he hates his job, but he appreciates the magic in it. But we've, we've really, <laughs> the album has ended and, you know. Yeah, yeah, look. Our story um, has, has become sour. Right, I agree. I think we should, think we should jettison the episode while we still have time. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we did it. We actually did such a good job. I'm not that anxious. I'm totally. not as much in a rush. Of time. I, I want to talk about, like, one more thing before we go. Okay. Because the takeaway, you get the takeaway about Epicus because Metallicus. It's a thing that's great, but it doesn't always feel good these days. Right. And, right. like, you should know it as a metalhead, and you'll probably derive a lot of enjoyment from it. And maybe, for you, it'll be an everyday listen. But I think for a lot of people, it's like a special occasion thing when you want to hear this particular flavor. Totally, uh, totally. Look, uh, I totally agree. You know, I think it's one of those metal albums that you just need to acknowledge is, like, cool, but it's not for all the time, and also, like, don't... Epicus Dumicus Metallicus is not an album that I, like, want necessarily to put on at the bar. You know what I mean? So feel free to listen to it when the time is right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so the, the thing I want to talk about, uh, and, and this might go nowhere. This might go so nowhere that I cut it out of the episode. But this is our holiday episode this year. That's true. Uh, this is going to come out closest to, when I say holiday, obviously I mean fucking Christmas. But not like a right, Christian right. Christmas. Right, you know, right. American Christmas. That's what we're talking about, right? Good old, good old superficial Christmas. So, uh, you know, we, I think we're, we're two people who feel the holiday spirit in some, albeit very, very strange ways on my part, and probably sure. for your part since you're like a Halloween weirdo. Uh, yeah. But like, I don't know, I, what, you know, what the fuck are we going to do for the holidays? It's our, it's our holiday episode, but like, what does this fucking shit have to do with the holidays? Well, I would say that Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, like Christmas and the Christmas spirit, <laughs> is a good thing that we all feel and appreciate, even though it's kind of stupid and lame and nice. for wieners. You know, you know what I mean? Good, good it's a big old that. wiener fest at Christmas. You know what I mean? Just a bunch of people being like, oh, do the right thing. It's Christmas. And like, oh, would you get so-and-so? And like, I got great deals on a TV. And you're like, shut up. Like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Fuck every, like... Fucking fuck the Salvation Army and their Santa Clauses. That's a homophobic organization. Um, but, but you know what, man? In some a Christmas Carol kind of way, I believe in the spirit of Christmas. And I believe in that sort of holiday winter spirit. And so, like, I'm more generous this time of year. I'm more, like, I'm, I'm mushier this time of year. And I'll get into it. And similarly, Epicus Dubicus Metallicus, look... This is some lame-ass, like, <laughs> European doom. Um, but it's also, at the same time, pretty awesome. And as long as you go into it being like, I will open my heart to this ridiculous thing, you can, uh, you can allow yourself a great deal of joy in your life. So enjoy this album. But, uh, you know, we also understand if you're kind of like, don't want to play it while there's a woman around or whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Or I think... date over, I guess, is what I'm saying. I'm not to exclude our female stoner metal fan. You know, I'm glad you I'm glad you made that correction. Uh, we can assume our audience's identity a lot, but that doesn't mean that we're right at all. Totally. Um, totally. 
Yeah, I, I think the only thing I want for the high... Actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to really be kind of an asshole here. Um, like a real, a real deaf heaven about it. But uh, I, I think I told you about this via text, but I want to tell you about it on the podcast to put some pressure on you to actually do it because I want you to do that fucking Krampus as the cover of Dope Throne. Totally. Drawing so I for do Instagram. That. I've just been, I've been exhausted and no, no, no. You don't have to, high, you know. No, no, you don't have to, obviously I'm being unreasonable. I'm just asking you to do something. But uh, I just think that, you know, if, if Fried Lightning can offer anyone anything for the holidays. It would be that. Krampus doing a bong rip. You know. Totally. Like, uh, so, so you don't have to do it, and uh, I can cut this out, but I just think that, like, if we No, could, no, I should. I should do it. So. We could give a gift to the world, because I don't think this episode was a gift. I think sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, like, cool to... I, actually, I don't think any of our episodes are gifts. I'm bailing on this. <laughs> all right. All right. I think we gotta, I think we got to jettison the episode. From all of us here at Fried Lightning, happy holidays. I'm Scab Casserole. I'm Abe Sapien. Smoke weed at your parents' house on Christmas.